Good morning. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to be traveling through different sections of scripture in order to cover eight different topics that uh, deal with things that we experience here in today's world. But uh, we want to be able to go through those items, not just by um, looking through our social media, talking to family members, but taking these things that are incredibly important to our world and looking at them through the lens of what scripture teaches us about each of these items. Now, I get to be the first person to speak on the topics, and I want to start off by setting a path for not just my sermon today, but for all eight of the sermons together. And in order to do that, I want us to first think about the identity of Revelation 1.1. In Revelation 1-1, a book that has many twists, many turns, many points where it just seems sort of backwards or sort of confusing, or what in the world do we do with that dragon and what does it mean? The beginning of the book begins with the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's that line that helps us understand everything that comes after it. If at any point you lose sight of Jesus Christ and you get too far into the identity of any other character of the stories, you've gone too far in the wrong direction. And that's the same thing we aim to do here. Uh, We're going to talk about a bunch of topics that very quickly could get us away from Scripture, could very quickly get us into a place where Uh, We're just divided and we can't see eye to eye on something. And the good thing is all of us can put eyes on scripture and be able to interpret it together. And even though we might interpret it differently, there are ways for us to come together, at least in the beginning of our journey, so that we can set off from the same place. And so our first topic in this series is dealing with biblical and social justice. And I know as soon as I say social justice... There will be an emotional response that comes with it. There will be potentially somebody who's excited that we're, we're championing the cause of social justice, while others will roll their eyes and think, not again, and aren't we doing enough, and whatever the other reasons are for not liking the identity or the title of social justice, I'm hoping you will give us an opportunity to walk through these topics together without switching away to find something that will be more closely related to the Bible. Because while the topics may be divisive, the minimum requirement for this series and for the speakers who are a part of it is that we have to base all of our messages from Scripture. And so before we approach social justice, we need to first address biblical justice. And that means we need to read some Scripture, which is what I would like to do. But before we do that, let's pray together this morning. Father God, it is good to be in your presence, it is good to be in front of your word, and it is good to be in a place where you are speaking to us in this time, in this place. God, we ask you to guide our steps, guide our words, guide our eyes, and guide our abilities to hear you clearly through each and every one of these messages. God, today we're going to be listening to your prophet Micah. And we want to take something from this that not only teaches us about how you operated then, but how you operate now. And so God, be with us on this Sabbath day. Let us rest in your word. Let us not find more reasons to be divided, but God, to be united in your name while reading your word. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. The series title that we're working with over the next eight weeks is Justice, Mercy, 
and humility, which is all pulled from Micah chapter 6. In the section header, if you read all of the section, uh, instead of just reading verse 8, you'll find that the header reads, What does the Lord require? And there we read, Micah says the words, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now to me, two things stand out right off the bat. And the first one is that justice, mercy, and humility are listed as a collection meant to be held in unison. There are three distinct actions as they are all verbs that are carried out simultaneously and not doled out as the user finds necessary or needed on a singular basis. It's three notes played together as one harmonious chord. Now, while all three of these notes do make for a beautiful scale, they will never sound as melodic as they do when they are done in concert together. And the second point, much like the first point, is that the entire segment reads as a duet, a dialogue between humankind and their creator. The conversation is somehow painfully simple, but it is wildly complicated all at the same time. Humankind asks, how do I approach you? How do I show proper reverence? How do I show respect? How does someone of such little means show gratitude to the one who has so much? And how does one repay the one who paid everything? And in response, somehow God speaks to us with responses that are beautiful and difficult all at the same time. God says to us, do what is just to one another. Be compassionate in your love and walk humbly with me. Now the prophet Micah speaks of a desire to connect to the Lord in a time in which it is easier to connect with the world. And we see this in the way that Micah bargains with God to pay off his debts that he feels he owes to his father. Somehow Micah is burdened by the weight of sin, and so he proposes to cancel his charges by offering up belongings, livestock, expensive oils, and his own life and limb. All of these are common items that are used to barter in a world built upon the exchange of consumables. And this approach, while commendable, proves to be without merit before a God who does not trade redemption for worldly commodity. Instead, God changes the conversation with Micah and he uses the conversion rate from what Micah is needing by using kingdom currency. Justice, mercy, and humility are the going rate for a sanctified soul. Now, I believe like Micah, there is a desire in our world today to be justified before the Lord. I believe that Adventists have a hunger and a thirst for holistic living, and they strive to uphold the principles of Scripture. But in reading the words of Micah, I can also hear the echoes of the same sentiment 
in our church today. And if my only desire was to get a bunch of really nice email messages from all of you on Sunday, I'd leave the sermon right there. But unfortunately, my desire is to explore scripture deeper with you. And so I'm going to continue on. It is my opinion that any Adventist would hear the message of verse 8 in the mission of Micah and they would say, Amen. We are people who defend justice. We speak mercifully and we walk humbly with our Lord. Amen. Taking nothing away from that position, I do not believe that any Adventist would find themselves ending the conversation with God right then and there. If my experience in this tribe has shown me anything, it would be that the Adventist, while walking with God and remaining humbly, would wait just long enough to be out of earshot of the rest of the tribe and find themselves saying, Okay, yeah, but what about truth? I'm all for being humble about it, but we hold the truth, God. I'm willing to be merciful to those who don't have the truth. But shouldn't they be given the truth and the truth that we have? And justice comes in the form of connecting those who deal in lies to the truth that they deserve to hear. So what good is justice if it doesn't begin with truth? Don't agree. Am I being too tough on Adventists, maybe? Maybe you feel as though I should add some proof here. And so, let's try it. I'm going to try something right now. I'm going to speak to you through the magic of recording this on a day in which I cannot see through my camera. And I'm going to give you a task to do right now. Do you want to see whether or not you're an Adventist like this Adventist in the story that I have created? Let me ask you this. What's the first question you're going to ask Jesus when you get to heaven? Think about it. Got that question in your mind? Good. Now, if the question you thought of was any question at all, then you're that Adventist. When you think about heaven and eternity and all the things that we can do, and the thing you think of is checking with the great answer key in the sky to see whether or not you scored high on your test of all the things you knew on earth. You're that Adventist. But that's okay. I'm that Adventist too. And I'm willing to bet there are other of those Adventists around you right now. If Let's try this. If you are watching this sermon with somebody right now and there's somebody sitting next to you, just turn to that person right now and say, don't worry, God still loves you. And the sermon's not over yet. Try it. Now, I also need to add this. If you're watching the sermon and you're not sitting with somebody, just go ahead and take out your phone, turn on your forward-facing camera, record a video of you saying, don't worry, God still loves you even though you're sitting alone right now and the sermon's not over yet. And then when you're done recording it, just play it back to yourself and then you can hear yourself say those nice things to you. Because I don't want you to start on your back foot. I don't want to push you back onto your heels. I don't want this to seem like it's going to be a tirade on Adventism. It's not. 
It's going to be a conversation with Scripture as an Adventist to try and understand where we are, who we are, and who we could become because of the message we find here in Micah. So for the sake of this sermon, and for the sake of Adventists everywhere, who might not be as excited about only getting three things that don't include truth, I'm going to do something that might be considered problematic, but I'm going to amend Scripture if you'll allow me. I'm going to read now from the Adventist Revised Standard Version of Micah 6.8 in order to allow for this new translation to play in. It would say, And what does the Lord require of you, O Adventist? But to seek truth, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of the Lord. I say all of this, and I add all of this, And I come at this topic from this angle not to be facetious and certainly not to be sarcastic. And I don't want to provide anything more than a starting point for our conversation that will lead us today into the next eight weeks. Because I believe Micah 6.8 is a roadmap to Christian living. And all I want to do is just simply place a You Are Here sticker onto that roadmap so that as many of us as possible can start all at the same place. I understand that we will go in different directions from here. And with all of the different topics that we're covering, assuredly we will find ourselves moving in different directions. But if we can start in the same spot, we have the ability to track our progress a little bit better starting from this singular point. For Adventists, I believe we deal in truths as a Basis for our belief system. Truth is central to how we think about the world and our participation in it. But it is also the basis for my belief that Adventists are very serious about growing in their relationship with Christ. Like Micah, I believe Adventists are willing to be a part of the things they cherish and collect the most. And for Micah, it was livestock. For us, we're not as flush with riches. And maybe we don't have that livestock as most of us, if not all of us, find ourselves sitting out of the workplace one full day every single week. And so while everyone else is chasing and hustling the almighty dollar, we are taking a day off from that consumer thought and that consumer act. But that doesn't mean we're not consuming in that time. We aren't lacking in other ways like we might be financially by making this decision to rest on the Sabbath. While we don't pick up a check, we do participate in activities that enhance what we already know. We earn Pathfinder badges on Sabbath as we learn new skills. We gather trophies from Bible quiz contests. We consume knowledge in our Sabbath school classes. We spend our free nights attending Bible studies and grow groups and small groups and life groups and Christian book clubs. And before we go to sleep each and every night, we read a devotional book, which is somehow different than the devotional app that we use in the morning when we wake up the next day. If truth were a drug, we would be kingpins trafficking truth with the most dangerous of them all. We are so involved in truth that when we aren't getting spiritually high on the word, we are policing the world looking for signs of the truth 
so that we can be vindicated for the things that we're learning about the truth throughout our days. And all the truth we build up in our minds, we have trained ourselves to spot when the enemy is trying to propagate untruths. And to keep our minds sharp, we practice our aptitude of avowal by calling out people online and posting reflections in the name of leveling the playing field against the honor of what is right. But in our noble quest to hold the line and defend the truth, I ask you this, can we lose the rest of the notes in the chord played by God that he calls for us to play in our lives? J.P. Lederach, in his book, Reconcile, speaks of the need for ordinary Christians to live by the creed found in Micah by anthropomorphizing the four identities that we're focusing on today. By giving human characteristics to the virtues of Micah, which, oddly enough, includes truth, and he's not an Adventist, Lederach aims to show that there is no decision in the life of a Christian that should be made without consulting all four wise members at the table at which you are seated. In this company, conflict is transformed into grace only after it is discussed with these four characters. And those four characters are Brother Justice, Sister Mercy, Brother Truth, and Sister Peace. Now, peace is not the same as mercy, but Lederach claims that peace is the result of, of showing mercy to someone who has committed a transgression that has upset the balance of peace. So mercy is therefore a catalyst for restoring the peace, which is why he uses peace as sister peace instead of sister mercy. Now, before conflict can truly be resolved, all four of these characters must be given time and space to speak and to be heard. Conflict which has been resolved without the full party's participation of each member, it leaves space then for contention to grow and for the conflict to reemerge. I believe this is where biblical justice and social justice divert. While biblical justice calls for conflict to include all four, a fourfold method for mediation, the standards of social justice are often far less concerned with balancing these scales. Now, as Christians, we're often drawn to matters of social justice and to speak out when issues of morality and ethics coincide with our beliefs or conflict with our beliefs, allowing us to speak out against injustice. And I'm not here to say that you should not take a stand on social issues. There are numerous examples of faithful people in the Bible who speak out against injustice in both the New and the Old Testaments. There is a biblical basis for the need for social justice. But, as a Christian, there is also a basis for maintaining the standards of Christ in all acts of serving said justice. There is a fine line between righteous indignation and civil disobedience. Whether rising up against a transgression of an unjust law or an, against an enemy engaged in spiritual warfare, the rules of engagement for a Christian remain exactly the same. Come before the council of righteous resolution and seek the wisdom of its members before you commit to any action. 
Give each of your brothers and sisters an opportunity to speak into your life and address the situation you are facing. The reality is we already have a series of protocols that we engage in before we do so many actions in our lives. And I want to give an example. Think about this. When you are driving on a highway or on a freeway, before you change lanes doing 70 miles per hour, we know to check a whole bunch of things before we make that switch in lanes. We check our speed. We check to make sure the the lane is clear that we're about to merge into. We make sure that there's no obstacles coming up, that there's nothing coming from behind. In order to do that, we check all three of our mirrors and then we swivel our head to check and make sure that what we see in the mirrors matches with what we see out through all of the different windows. We check for other cars. We check to make sure that if there are multiple lanes that there aren't two people doing the same thing at the same time in order to make sure that doesn't happen we communicate well by putting on our blinkers and then if all of those conditions are clear then we make the decision to start to move into that lane. We do all of this all the time, almost without thinking, because we are practicing it all the time. We would never think about not checking one of our mirrors while doing 70 miles per hour, because we know what's at stake if we don't. It's often that we don't check. That's when accidents happen and someone gets hurt and damages incur. What if we were as careful when we get in front of a keyboard as we were when we get behind the wheel? What if we checked our social blind spots before merging our opinion onto the information superhighway the same way we check our mirrors on I-25? Before we post that next photo or comment or subtweet, ask yourself, have I consulted with my advisors? Is what your broadcasting concern with justice in as much as it's equally concerned with mercy? Is your post presenting truth, giving an equal ground to a presentation about peace? And when you feel convicted to speak out on a subject, is the standard of humility prominent in the preparation of your post? If the answer to any of these questions is no, then ask yourself this, what value are you bringing to the table? world already packed with divisive behavior and acerbic rhetoric, there is little need to add any fuel to the fire that is burning around all of us. When we aren't aware of our identity in Christ and the value of our commitment to as Christians, accidents occur. In today's society, whether it's a high-speed car crash or a misguided tweet, both can end in tragedy. You, unlike many of those who are concerned for fighting for a brighter future, are aware of a different reality due to your faith. And that reality is playing out in front of you in ways that others may not be able to see. You know the outcome of every battle. You have seen the final stage of this scene. You know how all of this will play out in the end. Therefore, you as a Christian, have an obligation to enter into the conversation equipped with the knowledge as an example of that which is unencumbered by the weight of the world. While everyone else struggles through it, you can rise above it 
if you so choose. Your identity in Christ calls you to operate under the mandates of Scripture in all things. So while you may be tempted to strike out against injustice by claiming the truth, without the counsel of the other tribal leaders, you run the risk of removing grace from your mouth as you speak. And the reality is this, the irreconcilable truth of the matter is that the only way you can stand or speak at all is by the grace of God given to you freely. So the next time you may feel tempted to cancel someone or something, remember that you have only let brothers justice and truth speak. Sisters mercy and peace have a word still to share. Adventists, social justice warriors, and the prophet Micah all have the same common desire to be counted as worthy by the Father and judged as a good and faithful servant. And the path to righteousness is somehow littered day by day with more and more deviating paths away from the one leading to eternity. There are so many ways to get lost on the way to glory, but there is one way to remain on the straight and narrow, and that is to travel with friends. Take brother justice, sister mercy, brother truth, and sister peace wherever you go. Whether your path leads you to green pastures or through valleys of the shadow of death, you will always be in good company if you are with these biblical and social justice warriors. Courage to you as you step out in faith, equipped with the ability to keep your eyes on Christ. And may God bless you with the strength to stay above the troubled waters that he calls you out onto.